the volume. This session is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona 18887897777 or visit ccpg.org/chat for Connecticut 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com/rg for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania and Virginia 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the sessions. Welcome back. God, it was like a, I feel like we've, I mean, we haven't had shows in a minute. We put out like one the other week and then one the other week. A long weekend holidays always throw me for a loop. I'm never prepared for them. I'm never ready. But it was kind of nice, you know, have a little breather, a little pad, hang out with the fam, go to Chicago for the week. <laughs> lots to talk about, lots of things to discuss. It was a super, super fun long weekend. But now I am back. I'm back in the saddle. We're back in business. We are here in September. Uh, Labor Day has come and gone. Fall is basically here, which ugh, buckle up. Let's go. Give me a toque. Give me a hoodie. Give me a booty. I'm ready for summer to be gone and to be done. I'm over you. Let's get some leaves changing colors. Let's get the the pumpkins out, the pumpkin spice. You can call me a basic bitch all day, every day. I don't care. I love a pumpkin spice cold brew. I love it. I don't care. I also love, um, I love like the pumpkin Oktoberfest beers as well also big into that. Shout out to Athletic Brewing, by the way. They do make a non-alcoholic um, pumpkin spice or like, Octo- sorry, it's not a pumpkin spice. It's an Oktoberfest um, brew. So lots for everybody. It's delish. Welcome to September, everybody. Okay, let's get into this. We've got um, this woman making history with many other women coming up this Saturday, September 10th. It is all going down historic Championship doubleheader at the O2 Arena in London. What an iconic arena to be in. I'm lucky enough to have been able to be at the O2 on several occasions doing shows with WWE. Um, There is nothing like that crowd. That London crowd is on fire. They are so happy to have massive events like this there. So I'm pumped for like the fans to get this. I am pumped for all of these women involved just knocking down barriers. Um, so what we have on this card, a full women top to bottom card, Michaela Mayer, 
She is the guest of this episode. Um, she is putting her WBO, IBF, Ring Magazine Junior Lightweight titles on the line against the WBC champion, Alicia Baumgartner. This is going to be absolutely insane. Also on the card is uh, Clarissa Shields versus Savannah Marshall. So you want to see the who's who in women's boxing. You want to see some chicks just like throw down and show you what women's boxing looks like. Listen, we've had really monumental moments. You know, we just had that iconic show at, at MSG not all that long ago as well. Um, so the women are really making some huge strides in the boxing community and in the boxing world, uh, putting on these shows, headlining these pay-per-views, and having people really show up for them. That's like the huge important thing. It's like, you know, we, I think we spend so much time talking about and thinking about how women's sports can be better, how they can be showcased better. And now we have it. That's exactly what we have here with this card, with uh, Michaela Mayer, with Alicia Baumgartner, with Clarissa Shields, Savannah Marshall, all these other women that are on this card. You guys want this. You ask for this. So show up and watch it and participate and tweet about it and post about it and like get involved. It goes beyond these women being able to lock down the O2 arena and put on an incredible card. But it also takes like the fans who have been wanting this and really rallying for women to do awesome things to like also show up and participate and love this stuff and pump these women up and give them the platform that they so, so, so deserve. That being said, let's get into this episode. This is Michaela Mayer. She's an absolute badass. She's a beast in this sport. Uh, she's just a, a beast of a human being. I love talking to her. She's somebody that I would love to like hang out with like outside of training camp and like, you know, have a, have a beer or two, have, have uh, an Oktoberfest beer together and have a little hang. She just seems so, so rad. Um, I also live and die by a little trash talk in the sports community. So between her and Alicia Baumgartner, I feel like these women have been throwing it down and getting us really pumped for this fight. I cannot wait to see what's going to happen. So guys, make sure you check that out. September 10th, it's on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, make sure to check all things to do with this card. Let's get into it. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Michaela Mayer. Thanks for joining me. I'm so excited to talk to you. I was like doing a deep dive last night. You're a fascinating woman. Thank you. <laughs> What'd you find? Oh, we'll get into it. All sorts of things. But right now, for the people that are watching on YouTube, you have a sauna in your bedroom? I do. Um, so I just bought this really awesome house up in the mountains in Colorado, and it's a complete renovation project right now. So I don't currently have a bath, and usually part of my, because we're renovating the bathrooms, and usually part of my training uh, is I do my bath at night. It helps my weight cut, you know, I use Epsom salt and all that. Um, and so like, well, I'm like, shoot, don't have a bath. I need a sauna. It'd be kind of cool to have anyway. So it's currently in my bedroom, but... Um, <laughs> Kind of nice. I just hop on out, jump in the bed. <laughs> oh my god! My husband's gonna be so jealous of this. We we just moved in our old house. We had one like used it all the time, and then yeah, we moved and we're like, where can we put one? We're trying to like find space to put one. But God, I love the sauna life. It's just the best. Yeah, and I need it. You know, it's like I've been fighting at one thirty now for like thirteen years, and it's just not doesn't get any easier. So. 
um, you know, any way to sweat helps. How does the weight cut look at this point? I saw you kind of post uh, the other day at what, 141? Yeah. So because WBC belt is on the line for this fight, um, there's there's weight checks throughout camp, which I've actually never had to do. But, you know, it's fine. Uh, the first weight check had to be 143. This next weight check coming up, I have to be 138. And then two weeks from there, 134. So I, I cut a lot of weight these days. So, But I have a great team. I work with perfecting athletes. But everything's very scientific. Pretty good at eating right and doing all that. I don't crave sweets. I don't have a sweet tooth. So I think it's like a huge bonus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that that definitely helps significantly. I didn't have a sweet tooth in my life until I got pregnant. Now I'm like, give me all of the sugar all the time. Uh, and I just never kicked that ever after having the baby. Uh, but I know um, weight cuts always fascinate me though, especially for women. It's just, it's so fascinating to me, like what you guys put your body through and how the science is all broken down with you guys. Um, I was working with um, Misha Tate for a while doing a show together and talking to her about making her cuts and all that stuff. It just is like crazy what you guys do, but shit, you get the job done. Kudos. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, my goal is to go undisputed at one thirty, which means I need two more belts. This fight coming up September 10th will get me that third one. Um, so I got to stay at one thirty until I go undisputed. That's my goal. And then I'll probably hop on up to more comfortable weight, like 35. Hell yeah. So it's all going down Saturday, September 10th, historic championship doubleheader at the O2 Arena in London. Uh, And this is, is this an entire female card? It is. And when they first brought this to my attention that this could be an option of me fighting um, for the co-main for Clarissa Shields versus Savannah Marshall, I was super on board with it. And I was secretly hoping that they were going to make it an all-female card because me and Clarissa can obviously, we can carry a card on our own, but put together like... Might as well. Let's we're definitely going to make this is going to be a huge fight. We're going to be able to sell it. And so let's put all females on the card. Let's just make it a huge female event. So I'm so glad they went and did that. Yeah, not the O2. I mean, after coming off of the um, Amanda Serrano fight, too, I mean, them at MSG with Katie Taylor, um, that MSG fight to what you guys are now doing at the O2. I mean, this is amazing for women in boxing. Like, could you have imagined when you started in this business and in this sport that it would have grown the way that it has and now to get these eyeballs on women? That's a hard question to answer. Everyone keeps asking me that. And like part of me goes, yeah, duh. Like I feel like every woman in this era of women's boxing, like the top girls right now, we always had to believe that we would be at this position, right? Like I, I mean, I told myself I wanted to be the best female fighter in the world back when women weren't allowed to compete in the Olympics. Um, promoters weren't signing us professionally. This was like Gina Carano days, right? So I just had a passion and I just, I, I just knew that I don't know how I was going to get it done, but I just knew I was passionate about this sport and I was going to get it done. And I feel like all of us women in this era had to believe that. So to an extent, yes, we always believed it'd be at this point, but it's like, we couldn't really imagine it in this detail because we didn't know how it, you know, sort of like evolving year after year, um, trying to, to grow in this market. It's so cool to see too. I mean, especially to be able to see, the growth happened. Like, so I come from the world of like professional wrestling. And when we look at like what the women were able to do, like from even like when I started there, like eight, nine years ago to what the women are doing now. And over that time, it's like to see that actually happen. And same within UFC to see like the women really getting those main event spots, getting, uh, you know, much better pay, getting like the different sponsorships, all that stuff. It's, it's so amazing to be able to see that all kind of come together for everybody. Um, who are some of the people that you would really put on, um, championing women's boxing? 
Because there's so many people behind the scenes that also get this done. It's so interesting because, you know, back in the day you had, um, there was like this little spike in women's boxing, right? You had Layla Ali, Ann Wolf, Mia St. John, um, and th- in that era of women's boxing. And then for like 10 years, there was nothing. Nothing. I mean, we finally were allowed to compete in the Olympics. They allowed that. And I thought, I think that was the biggest thing they could have done for us because it allowed us women to compete at the highest possible level. And then we can only grow from there. Right. And so now this era of women's boxing, I mean, these girls are going to go down in history. Just think about the four girls in this card. These girls doing this now are really just setting the tone uh, for the next generation. And that's something that's always been a huge goal of mine is I didn't have a path to follow when I was coming up in this sport. Like people literally laughed at the idea that I said I was going to be a professional boxer. Like they said, okay, like good luck. That doesn't exist. You know, that, I think that's a goal for a lot of us is just for the next generation to be like, hey, what is the blueprint? How do we follow it? Like the men have, the men have that blueprint and us women did it. So um, now it's there and all, all the women, all the women now have all contributed in, in their small or big way. Does it feel different heading into a full female card? Um, we got to do that with WWE. We had our very first all women's pay-per-view uh, WWE evolution and we had women doing commentary. I got to be on commentary for that. The women from, you know, top to bottom. I, f- I feel like we even had more women like writers and producers on staff. I could maybe be, that might be a question mark next to that. Um, but it was, it just had that really cool energy of like, Women supporting each other. We knew how big this was. Like everyone working together as much as there can be like the shit that happens inside the ring is one thing. And, you know, obviously for you guys, you can talk about that. But in terms of like everyone really banding together and knowing that like, damn, something really fucking special is happening right now. Definitely. I mean, I knew it was going to be special. Like a lot of people kind of gave me a little bit of crap because they're like, you and Alicia Baumgartner should be your own main event. Like, why are you agreeing to be the co-main event for Shields Marshall? And I'm like, I don't have that ego when it comes, when it, when this was like brought to my attention, my ego didn't kick in and say, Oh, what about me being the main event? Like that literally didn't cross my mind. I thought like, wow, this could be so iconic. This could be so unique. This could be setting a new tone for boxing in general, not just women's boxing, because you usually don't get more than one awesome matchup on a card in boxing. You do in the UFC, but you really don't in boxing. And so I'm like, this could set a new tone. We have like three different promoters working together, two, three different networks. Um, I'm like, this is awesome. And this is great. And this is going to give the fans a one-stop shop to see two fights that maybe if it was separated, that they wouldn't have been, been able to like afford or get to both of these fights. And so it's a one-stop shop for the fans, which I'm all about the fans. I say like, we're entertainers at the end of the day. So these fans are everything to us. Um, and so I think it's just awesome. And I'm like so stoked about it. And I still get, I'm still getting a little bit of shit from it from some people, but um, I think it's iconic. And I think it's going to be one of the greatest boxing events of all time. How's the pressure feel? How do you like, how does that kind of weigh on your shoulders of not only just like this fight, but I mean, obviously you've been in these like mega pressure cooker situations before competing at the Olympics and whatnot. Where does this kind of rank amongst that for you? I'm at the point in my career where every fight is the biggest fight of my life because I've worked so hard to get to this level. And this is not a forgiving sport. One slip up, one loss, you're written off by a lot of people, you know, not just by promoters and your stock goes down, everything goes down, but like, it's just a brutal, rough sport. So everything's on the line. There's definitely with each win comes more and more pressure. But I think that I've had like a, um, like I've gradually 
had to deal with more and more and more and more pressure. It's not like I've just been thrown into everything. I think I've had a very, a very good career. I had you know, a lot of ups and downs and like general growth where I've just um, been able to easily handle a little bit more pressure, handle more challenging opponents. And so I just feel like I'm in a really good place. I feel like top rank has moved me really well. My team yeah. really moved me well. And like, I feel like supported. I have a great team. I can trust in them. I can rely on, um, you know, everything we've done in training camp. I don't have to overthink and stress about it. I sort of just say like, okay, I trust my team. I trust the process and just take the pressure off myself. Um, there might be a lot more pressure that kicks in once they get to the UK. You know, the UK is love boxing over there. It's like the football. Those crowds are nuts which is one of the reasons I wanted to get over to the UK because I know that they love boxing over there. And it's a little bit more difficult here in America. The market's a little tougher. You're competing with so much. There's so much competition for the media's attention. And, um, but there it's already, it's already built. So I'm sure the pressure will be there. It's going to be a huge stage, huge arena, lots of people, but yeah, I'm ready for that pressure. I'm ready. I've asked for it. I've always called it privileged pressure because there's plenty of people who would kill to be in my position. And so, um, I'm, I'm lucky. Does that kind of keep like a chip on your shoulder, the way that media um, reacts to boxing and women's boxing in particular? No, because I knew what I was getting into. It's not like when I started boxing that it was already like this developed sport and um, I had all these idols to look up to with amazing careers. Like it wasn't like that. I knew what I was getting into. I think that's just sort of like my personality in general, though. Like I always have taken the hard path. I haven't been afraid of challenges. And so um, I knew it was going to be tough. When I, like I said, when I started boxing, we weren't allowed to compete in the Olympics. Promoters weren't signing us. I don't know what I was thinking. I was like, you crazy little girl. Um, but, but yeah, you know, look where we are now. So yeah, it's just, it's just a continuing, it's just a process. You know, I may never reap the benefits, full benefits of my hard work and like what I've tried to accomplish. I may never reap those full benefits and I'm okay with that. This era is still pioneer. We're still pioneering the sport. But, you know, we're doing our part in the next generation and is going to definitely benefit from it. Certainly. And while you guys are paving that way and busting your ass doing that and working together to make the sport better, let's talk a little shit on Alicia Baumgartner. Let's get into it. How have you been preparing for this fight? How is she different from some of your other opponents? Um, where's your headspace with her right now? Um, well, a little bit of history. I'm just going to give a little bit of back history. Me and Alicia Baumgartner. This is actually the third attempt to get in the ring with Alicia Baumgartner. Um, back when the pandemic first hit and I fought Helen Joseph, that fight was originally supposed to be Alicia Baumgartner. And she didn't think she had enough time. I mean, none of us did. The pandemic first hit and they called us and they're like, we can get on, we can get on this card first sporting event back and, and since the pandemic, it's in four weeks. I wasn't in camp. Shoot, we were. I was rollerblading in my living room, drinking wine with all my girlfriends <laughs> because that's we all thought we were on vacation, right? Who didn't Amazon Prime some roller skates during the pandemic? Guilty. I did. Yes. So that's like that's what I was doing. But when I got the call, I'm like, hell yeah, let's go. She didn't have that mindset, so she ended up thinking, saying, no, I don't have enough time. Um, Helen Joseph stepped up, um, and then we tried to get it again with her, and the. Uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission wouldn't approve her because they didn't think her quality of opponents um, were up to par for a world title fight. So here we go again. Uh, and then she goes and she she beats Terry Harper, who I was building a rivalry with, with Terry Harper, right? We had this big rivalry going. I was trying to get that fight. She kept taking other fights, kept taking other fights. Um, so that fight never happened because Alicia Baumgartner came in and she knocked Terry Harper out. Great. She did what she had to do. I can't say anything bad about that. She went in there, she did what she had to do. But me as a champion, what I'm going to do is now I'm going to call you out. Now I'm going to come for you. Now I'm going to say, okay, say my name. Like after her wins and they say, what's next for you? 
I was saying, I want the champs. She was never saying my name, you know? So that's where the beef started. And I was like, say my name. You want to be a champion? You want to be undisputed? Then say my name. Let's fight. And I was really trying to get that fight done. And she was telling everybody that, it, you know, I was going to have to wait, blah, blah, blah. And it was her time. But uh, no, not happening. We got this fight done uh, in six months after she got um, that world title. And so this is what women's boxing needs. We need these rivalries. We need these big fights. And so I didn't want to make the fans wait. And also, like, you do a pretty great job at, like, the shit-talking aspect of it. I mean, as I'm, like, going through your Twitter, like, obviously, Clarissa Shields, great at that, too, at, like, stirring up some controversy, getting some attention on what you guys are doing. Um, How much do you think about that, about how much more attention that can kind of drum up from from really getting that story out there? I noticed that when that was Terry Harper, when we started building this rivalry in the beef, I'm like, Man, these boxing fans, they just love it. They eat it up. They're going to talk shit about you, but they freaking love it. Um, But the rivalry with me and Baumgartner is very genuine. I think that's where the biggest rivalries come from is like not when you're faking it or trying to be anything. Like I genuinely dislike the way she delivers herself. Like I just dislike it. And I think that everything that I've said, talking shit wise, has just been facts. I have not lied. I have just spoken facts. She may not like to hear these facts. But they're absolutely true. She's the type of shit talker who does low blows, digs, you know, wants to talk about, you know, the way I look and my body and all this kind of stuff. So I don't respect that. I'm just a champion trying to fight. That's where my beef comes from. Oh, baby, it's here. The start of the NFL season is here. And the best place to practice your touchdown dance is on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. FanDuel's kicking off week one with a no sweat bet for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a new customer or you already have an account. You'll get free bets back if you don't win. Just log in and see for yourself. Some of the things you guys can look to do, I mean, bet on your favorite team's money line, point spread, or their total. Find great players and game props, including touchdown scorers, or you can build out a same game parlay for a chance to win bigger payouts with a small bet. Big, big payoff. I love it. So new to FanDuel Sportsbook? Just sign up with the promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E, to get started. That's promo code R-E-N-E-E. Either way, celebrate the return of football season with a no-sweat bet during week one. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook betting partner of the NFL. Disclaimer, 21 in select states. First online, real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 for Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467369 for New York. The TN Red Line, 1-800-889-9789 for Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. All right, let's rewind things. Let's talk about you being that young girl wanting to get into boxing and there wasn't this blueprint for you to follow, no path really for you to kind of figure out what you wanted to do. Where does your love stem from? Honestly, I was not, I was just a messed up little teenager. I was in like my fourth high school. Do you move a lot? No, I just got... Oh. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> what were you doing? Uh, I mean, I got kicked out of my first school for fighting. And then, um, you know, my next school, I, I didn't know anybody there. And so like, I was only there for a semester and I was like, Hey dad, let me go to homeschool. Let me go to homeschool. And, um, he finally let me go to homeschool. And then basically I just had to do homework at home and go to class like once a week to turn in my shit. And, uh, obviously I didn't do that because now I like on my own to do what I want. And I never did that. So I fell way behind, ended up in continuation school, um, which is that small little school attached to the big school. We're all like the fuck that's go. Yeah. So I ended up there. Um, and that's when I started as my senior year ended up at that school. And that's when I was like, okay, Michaela, like I want to be good at something. I was like, I just want to be good at something. Like, this is not really what I really ever expected myself to be doing. Like, I want to be good at something. And like, let's just start by trying something new, like get your ass back in a sport. Cause my dad always had me in sports growing up and stuff. But as a teenager, I was like, eh. um, so never did any high school sports or anything. And like, I was just literally ditching class every day. I was smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. When I oh decided, my God. when the I good decided. old days, right? Hack them yeah. up, hack a dart, bud. <laughs> when, I know. When I was like, okay, let's just walk into that Muay Thai kickboxing gym that you've been walking past for years. That's like in your neighborhood. Um, and so I did, I walked in there, uh, signed myself up. It was a hundred bucks. I pulled the last hundred bucks out of my bank account. Um, I always worked. I had a job since I was like 15 years old. Right. Cause I just, I always wanted money and, um, pulled it out. And within like a couple weeks, I was like, there was only three women's classes a week and I want to be there every day. So I asked the coach, can I go to the men's classes too, which are the other three days a week. And I was just obsessed. I just wanted to be really, really good. It was so challenging to me. I was like, if I just keep showing up and keep showing up, I just keep getting better. Like it was like this concept so easy. It's a simple-minded concept, but it just sounded so intriguing to me. And I want, and like I said, I was hungry to be good at something and yeah, started showing up every day, stopped drinking, stopped smoking, stopped going out on the weekends, lost all my friends. And I just became like obsessed with this idea of being a great fighter. Like I said, this was Gina Carano days, like when she was really the only female fighter. No. And I just fell in love with the sport. So how did Muay Thai lend you into getting into the boxing world? When did you decide to make that jump? It was a year. I did Muay Thai for a year. And then my coach was like, well, you know, to stay busy in between getting Muay Thai fights, you should take some boxing fights, keep your hands sharp, whatever. And I'm like, okay, cool. And so I just started boxing. I took a boxing fight in downtown LA. What was that like? What was that first fight like? It was a typical boxing gym in East LA. Like it was called Eddie Heredia's. And back then LA was a great place to come up boxing because you would just show up at the fights on the weekend, like people, the local club shows or like gym, gym fights. And you'd show up and you'd give your name, you give them your weight and how many fights you had. And then you'd hope to get matched up. And so that's what we would do. Like every weekend we would try and go get a fight. I think I boxed my first fight in running shoes and Muay Thai shorts. I looked like a total dork, but I stopped her in the second round and I never went back to Muay Thai after that. I just saw like there was more of a ladder to climb. I feel like in boxing in America and the U S especially living in LA and that vibe that I got at the boxing gym just wasn't the same as Muay Thai. And so I just stuck with boxing. And two years later, they announced that they were going to allow women into the Olympics, 2012, London. Wow. And then four years later, there you are fighting for like, wow, what a jump. They announced it and I was like, okay, well now I need a coach. Like I had a great coach, but he was a Muay Thai guy. I'm like, I need a coach who's going to get me to the top. And my dad was like super supportive because he had saw me be this little fuck up teenager to like all of a sudden completely dedicated to this craft. So he was like, went looking online, the USA boxing website, and he found this program in Northern Michigan where I could go to school and I was 19. So I should probably have been going to college now. Right. So I was like, we can go to college and train with a two-time Olympic coach 
Al Mitchell. And I'm like, okay, dad, sure. I'll look into it. And he hustled to get me into that program because they never had a female before. And my dad was like, well, you know, they are allowing women into Olympics now. You got to take my daughter, blah, blah, blah. Two weeks later, I was on a plane to this program in Northern Michigan, from LA to Northern Michigan. Oh my, what North a culture Pole. shock that is, huh? Welcome. It was such a culture shock, but I, I was so hungry and I wanted to be the best. And like, that was just going to get me there. To this day, that coach, I mean, he's upstairs taking a nap right now oh. before a training session. <laughs> like we've been together now for like 13 years. And so I stuck with him. That program, I never finished college and the program got canceled and I lost the funding and everything. But I was like, I am not leaving this coach. This is the coach that's going to get me to the top. A couple of years later, I was in the finals of Olympic trials going up against girls who had like years on me, right? Didn't win that first Olympic trial. They lost in the finals to Queen Underwood, but then stayed amateur for four more years and hustled to make the 2016 team. What a what a journey. It's actually like crazy to me, like reading your bio and it's like, oh, didn't start boxing or like getting into like the fight world until like late in life. And I was like, 17? Since when is that late in life? Like that seems really young. When do people normally get into it? I was very early, like bloomer. Like I was like doing my thing, whatever I want, no curfew at like 12, 13 years old. Right. So when I had that epiphany at 17, where I was like, I want to be good at something. I'm like, don't want to do this anymore. I want to be, I, wanna, I just want to like have a skill, be successful. I thought that was late in hindsight. I'm like, Oh shit. I got my shit together early, but it is late for, to start an Olympic sport and in boxing too. A lot of these people are starting at, you know, eight years old. So I thought I started late, but you know, women peak later in the sport anyways. We didn't have the the opportunities and stuff that the men had at the young age. And so a lot of the top women right now, we are in our early 30s. I'm a big fan of that like early, mid-30s sweet spot that I feel like men get their sweet spot. There's this is like a little bit different, but I think for women that like mid-30s is like shit is firing on all cylinders, mentally, physically, you've got like so much more experience under your belt. Do you feel that like sweet spot really like bubbling for you? I don't even feel like I've hit my prime yet. And I don't have a ton of miles on me. Um, you know, like I said, it starts till I was 17. So I feel like, yeah, I just now am peaking. Like, I feel like the most, the most physical, like physically as an athlete, my body's coming in, um, into its own and, um, I feel strong mentally and yeah, I think I'm at a great age. I love it. And even Alicia made comments like I'm already at my best. You see my best. You really haven't seen my best. She's been boxing since she was eight years old. If anyone's peaked, it's her. I'm still growing. I'm still learning. Um, and I'm still peaking and yeah, I feel great at this age. Was there ever a time during this journey from like walking into that Muay Thai gym, getting into boxing to now going on to co-main event at the O2 arena? Was there ever a point that you're like, man, I don't know if this is going to be for me. Was the uphill battle ever uh, not really in your favor? Oh, yeah. I had a lot of ups and downs coming up. Um, Thank God I had a great coach. I mean, Coach Al, the reason I was able to excel at such a fast pace is because of his training and coaching. So I'm lucky I had that. But there was a lot of ups and downs. I lost a lot before I won, you know, but I, I never gave up on it because there was something about waking up every day and knowing my purpose that like just gave me like hope because I think that's the most important thing you can find as a young person. Like, again, I thought I found it late, but I did it. You've got to have a passion. So I'm so lucky I found that in boxing. I didn't care how hard it was. I had a passion. I was passionate about it. I mean, you talk about being like a kid, like 12, 13, getting into trouble, kind of doing your own thing where you you were that kid that just grew up really fast. What kind of of put you in that situation? I mean, I had to. Um, My dad got custody of me and my two sisters when I was 12, going on 13. And so the first 13 years of our life. My mom was an alcoholic addict. And so we dealt with that. And, um, 
when my dad got custody of us, it was obviously a huge relief. Like my dad was amazing. We loved, we loved our dad so much. Love our dad. But uh, it was still a huge adjustment. You know, he was, he had a full-time job and he now had three young girls under his roof and he was gone. He was gone when this, before the sun came up and he was, didn't get home until the sun was down. And so I was pretty much had a, a lot of probably too much freedom at too young of an age. And uh, yeah, went a little crazy. And my dad did the best, but I mean, he was gone. He was gone a lot. He was working. He was trying to keep the roof over our head. Let's talk about your band that you were in with Nita Strauss. Friend of the program. I love Nita. She's awesome. She's such a cool chick. And now on tour with Demi Lovato. What? Dude, every time I look at her Instagram, she's doing something like crazy cool. I'm like, dude. She's got a good gig. I mean, she's super talented. She's awesome. But yeah, I'm like, oh my, I love that she went from like touring with Alice Cooper to being like, oh, I'm going to go do this like whole girl backing band for Demi Lovato. She's out there crushing it. But that's where I've always seen her doing badass female empowerment shit. Like she should be the guitarist for Demi Lovato and everyone else. Agreed. How did you guys hook up? So long story short, I used to be a little metalhead back when I was like 11, 12. I like loved metal music. I started a little band with my best friend in middle school and she played the guitar and I played the bass and we had a falling out. Our parents had a falling out, whatever. We, I couldn't go to her house anymore. But now I had this bass and I was super into like playing music and I wanted to be in a band. I was 11 years old and I went on the computer to Craigslist and I put out an ad to be in an all-girl rock female band and like my influences, which is like Black Sabbath, Pantera, like Slipknot and all this stuff. And I get a response like really quickly from Nita Strauss, uh, Tina St. Clair and Kirsten Schluter. They were already together in this band and they needed a bass player. So they're like, hey, you know, we really like your your ad. Like, well, you want to meet us at the mall? We think you'd be a great fit, whatever. I'm like, OK, cool. Do so- you want to meet us at the mall? Oh, my God. The wholesomeness of it. I love it. I had my mom drive me and she like waited outside while I walked in. And they were like standing there. And I had lied about my age. I told them I think I was told them I was 13 because I didn't want them to be like, oh, she's like way too young. And so uh, we get there. We meet up. I mean, you know, Nita's got her little metal look i had like black tips in my hair they had like the spike necklace and, the sh- and like you know the studded belt and stuff i'm like oh yeah that's definitely them so like walk up to them and we just have a little chat and basically they're like well assuming you can play bass welcome to the band <laughs> and that was it oh my god we would have band practice three times a week we had like our little studio lockout our guitar player uh tina st Clair, who actually passed away a while back from brain cancer so rest in peace tina she was amazing she books are a uh, couple tours throughout the U.S. We actually played Warp Tour a couple times. I was what? like on the, I'm like not the main stage, but like the, the side, side stage. stage. Yeah. Yes, we did. So it was super fun. Um, it didn't work out. I was like, I started coming to my teenage years, and like I was like, oh, whatever, did my thing. But I always knew that uh, Nita was gonna be the one to make it because she was just so talented. Like she wrote all of our songs. She helped me with like my bass riffs and stuff because I was still young and learning. And um, she was just so talented. She came from a musical family. Her dad was a musician as well. I always knew she was going to make it and like, look at her now. So she actually, and she walked me out to my uh, world title fight with Neva Hamadouche. Did you see that? Oh my God. I didn't see that. It was something I wanted to do for so long. And so she got on the stage and like ripped the guitar as I walked out for my world title fight. So that was amazing. 
Oh my God. And like, she, so that's how I know Nita's from her coming in to do stuff at WWE and playing out um, at, at WrestleManias and doing different people's entrances and stuff. And I was like, look at this chick. Just like rip it up. Crushes in that. Like just really owns that stage. That's cool. I'm gonna have to look that up to see her playing you out. Yeah, so cool. So do you have anything special planned for the O2? Everyone knows I'm a huge Spice Girl fan. I was going to talk to you about this because my first career aspiration was to be a Spice Girl. It didn't pan out, but um, <laughs> also a huge Spice Girl fan. We're all a Spice Girl deep down. Yes. All. Yes. 100%. Would you be Sporty Spice? Are you Sporty Spice? Is that just like a given? No. Okay. You would think so. But growing up, I was always Ginger Spice. I was Really? Like, yeah. Um, just because, you know, we, when you get your friends over and your sisters and we're all dancing to their songs in the living room, like I was just always ginger. Like that was just that I wanted to be ginger. I wanted to be ginger. Yeah, ginger was cool. <laughs> yeah. And now, like now I just identify with all of them on different days. <laughs> like they help pick out my wardrobe. Like, hmm, what am I feeling like today? But yeah, I would I would love to get one of the spice girls there. I'm like working on it, trying. If I just need one. I just need at least one of them ringside for this fight. Who would be like the best Mel C, like she like DJs and still does music and everything. So. Yeah, she's still she's still like in the business to a degree. What is Scary Spice doing now? I don't know. Um I maybe a little bit of acting. I've seen her doing a little bit of acting. Okay. I feel, what's she doing? I feel like she was doing like one of those like reality shows, like a talent show or something like that. But I could be wrong. I know a couple of them were on this circle. Oh, right, right, right. Posh is busy. Posh has got her own shit going on. But the other girls we might be able to tap into. I would love to. I would love to get one of them there. But um, yeah, I just feel like I got to rep the Spice Girls while I'm there. Are you saying which song or is that a surprise? I'll have to leave that for a surprise. I mean, <laughs> okay. there's like, you could probably guess if you had to. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it would ha- yeah, you'd have to like, you could narrow it down yeah, pretty you could easily. Narrow it down. But-, but yeah, that was my only reference to the UK growing up, so. Football fans, check out the Three and Out podcast with John Middlecoff only on the Volume Podcast Network. John brings his unique perspective as an ex-NFL scout to the volume to break down all the news around the NFL and college football. Whether you're looking for game predictions, coaching searches, the ins and outs of the NFL front office, even an occasional golf tip, John has you covered. Download Three and Out with John Middlecoff only on the Volume Podcast Network. Um, your relationship with Marquette King. Yeah. Um, what, is it, what is it like being in a relationship with another athlete? Are you guys super competitive with each other to keep each other on your toes? No, no. God, not even. He's not. He's not. He's not like your typical meathead football head at all. He's very. He's more. You know. He's. He's does music now, so he's very artistic like that. And yeah, he's like so down to earth and like laid back and like just hippie vibes like he's not like what you would expect so um no we're definitely not competitive like that but it is nice because when I am in training camp which is a lot uh and he comes to see me it's like he has no problem falling into my routine we gotta do this round we gotta go do this lift blah blah blah, you know and he knows just that we just gotta chill and nothing can be too crazy and exciting and so yeah but no he's great it's been like we've been like dating for like two years now we met on a dating app oh really yeah Yes, who messaged who first? What was like that first little chat room situation like? Have you heard of Raya? Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, we met on Raya. I was in Marquette, Michigan, where I trained because that's where Coach Al lived. Yes, and so I matched with him, and he had messaged me first. He's like, "Hey," and I'm like, "He's like, what's up?" And I'm like, 
oh, I'm just in Marquette, Michigan for training camps, which I thought was like so funny because honestly, when I was swiping through that app, I was like so over that app. I was like, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's annoying. It's all hell. (laughs) It's like a Tinder for people with name. So I was like, I'm so over this. He had like some goofy pictures and stuff. And I was like, just step outside your comfort zone, Michaela. His name is Marquette. It's kind of funny. Okay, I'll like him. And then we matched. (laughs) (laughs) And I was in Marquette, Michigan, which I thought was like so funny and um, the stars yeah, have aligned. I know. And so he messaged me and I, I was getting ready for my first world title fight against Broad Nika. And he asked if he can come out. I'm like, yeah, for sure. I'm going to be busy, but I have a, I have a bunch of friends coming. They're all getting a suite. Here's my best friend's number. Just like text her when you're there and like, I'll meet you guys afterwards. So he literally met up with people he didn't even know. Party with my friends all night until I was done fighting. And then I came and met him Well, he was like already met all my friends. So it was super cool that he was even willing to do that. Yeah. And also like an interesting time to meet someone for a love connection for the first time. Cause you're like, obviously laser focused on the fight, but then like, who knows what you're going to look like post fight going out to meet the guy. I think it was just showed how we're both. So just like kind of laid back and spontaneous because I didn't care. Maybe a lot of girls would have been like, Oh no weird. I was like, yeah, just hit up my friends. I'm busy, but like, I'll see you after. And then he actually came. Most people would have probably brought a friend. He didn't even bring a friend. He just like showed up, knocked on the hotel door. Um, everybody loved him. We had like a super awesome fun time and the rest is history. That was about two years ago. Great. I love a good love connection. Hell yes. That's great. Uh, and j- yeah, just to like have that support, know someone that like understands what it's like when you're like, all right, I got to hunker down and get through this camp right now. And- yeah. And I always make fun of him too. Cause I'm like, this isn't football, dude. Like I always say football is like easy compared to boxing. <laughs> he's a punter. Come on. It's like a part-time yeah, job. He's, he's you know? even like surprised. He's like, God, Joe's <laughs> so horrible. Well, you tell them like, I know dude. And like, we get paid like what? Pennies compared to what you're asking. paid to kick the ball. We have this video. I'm like, kick the ball. A million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> When is that going to come around? When are, when is the money going to start to make sense with what you guys are doing? It's starting. Um, I'm, I'm happy with my pay going into this. It's definitely like the biggest payday of my career. It's been a gradual progression though. You know, I've been gradually progressing into this payday. And so I feel like I earned it and I've done everything that my promoters have asked of me. I've passed every challenge they've put in front of me. And so it's a gradual progression for me. It's a little interesting, and I'm not even talking shit about this, but like someone like Alicia, who really just came on the scene, what, like six months ago, and has gotten nowhere near this amount of money. It's not a natural progression for her. It's a huge jump for her. So it shows, it really does show like how much we've done for the, like us women who have been hustling, have done for the sport. Because I always said I wanted the next generation to come up and be able to challenge a champion and, and make the money they're worth. That's what Alicia's getting to do. Like this is nowhere near what type of money that she's used to, to making. And now where women's boxing is, she because she's getting this world title fight and this this challenge, like she's making a huge purse. And so that just shows how far women's boxing has come that she's been able to come out of nowhere and get it. What is your take on somebody um, like Jake Paul and what he's done in the boxing world? Is that controversial? Do we talk about that? Oh, we can talk. Listen, I don't hate on anybody's hustle. <laughs> okay. And this is like a new a new era where social media really matters because these are the amount of people that you can sell your product to. Right. And so if he has millions of followers on YouTube and all these Twitter followers and Instagram, whatever, then like, of course he's going to be a sell. People are going to want people. He's going to sell. People are going to pay attention. And it's just a new era of of media and where, where we are today. So 
you know, I don't mind. He's doing what he wants to do. Do I think he's one of the most elite boxers out there? Absolutely not. He's a very, very, very long way to go. And so if he wants to be respected, I think amongst um, the boxing community and the real boxers, then he's going to have to continue to take on challenges and take big fights and, and grow into that role. As far as what he's doing for Amanda Serrano, great. Like, it's so hard to find a good team. It's so hard to find good management that really looks out for you and hustles for you and gets you what you're worth. And so if he's doing that for her, then that's awesome for her and good for him. Yeah, it's interesting to see what he's done to take Amanda Serrano under his wing and kind of put her on that Jake Paul brand and strap that rocket to her back and see what they do with it. But yeah, like you said, people making money and getting their name out there. You can't really hate on that. It's just a, just different times. It's just different times. And like, I can get a lot of boxers are upset about it because they're like, we work so hard and he, I'm like, but it's just a different world. It's like, it's why social media is just so important these days. Like it can take you so far and it can help build your brand so much. Do you like being on social media? I used to be into it so much more. And I feel like as I'm like growing a little bit older and maturing, I, I feel like I'm craving a little bit more like privacy. Um, I've just noticed this in like the past year or two because I'm just not like, I used to like post me every day, you know, and it was like fun for me, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm like, ugh. but I know I have to because it's part of branding. It's part of marketing. It's part of what I got to do. So, oh, the frustrations. No, I know I can definitely jump on board with that when I be like, I'm doing this and here's my outfit for the day and blah, blah, blah. Now I'm like, oh my God, who's like, got who the time? Cares what <laughs> <laughs> who gives a shit? <laughs> totally. Oh my God. It's exhausting. Um, okay, so you've mentioned Coach Al a few times. What is what are like some good Coach Al isms? What are like some little nuggets of wisdom that he has dropped on you throughout your career with him over the last thirteen years? Oh God, I should be able to just drop so many quotes from him. But it's funny. The thing about Coach Al is nothing he says is like rocket science. Everything he says is just very practical. It's like what he says, we already all know. Like when he tells me things, I'm like you already know that. But he says it in such a way that it just makes everything seem so simple and like clear, which is like great to have. But he keeps me, you know, he keeps me grounded. Even with this whole thing going on, we went to go do like this little media thing for ESPN. And it was the first time me and uh, Alicia had to go like face to face. And I was kind of nervous, not because I had to talk this shit to this bitch in her face because I've been waiting for that moment. But because I'm like, Coach Al's going to see a side of me that he's never seen <laughs> And so I even told him on the way there, I'm like, coach, like, this is what they want us to do. Like, if you see a side of me that you takes you back a little bit, like, just know this is part of the game. This is just what I have to do because he doesn't like, he doesn't like, um, like a lot of talking, you know, he wants me to be, to respect my opponents and, you know, work hard and don't take anyone cheap. And, you know, he's always kept me like really hardworking and humble in that sense, which is, you know, good to have. But he's also seen how this girl talks. And he's like, he, he wasn't mad at all about it. He was like, I hate to say this, but I don't want you just to beat her. I want you to hurt her. I really want you just to shut her up. I'm like, okay. And that's like the most like shit talking Coach Allen yes. does. <laughs> He seems very sweet. Just seeing him like on your Instagram, like doing like dancing and stuff. Like, oh my God. He's the greatest. He's got so much knowledge. And like, um, you know, that's where all my people ask, like, how do you deal with all the pressure and like, this, you know, everything that goes into these big fights. And it's like him, honestly, like, I just know that he would never put me in a position that I wasn't ready for. He knows that I'm ready and he keeps me working hard. And so I really just don't even know if I could continue my career 
if anything were to happen to him, like it would be really, really big adjustment, very hard. So from everything that you have already achieved, like, you know, we've rattled some of them off already from, you know, being at the Olympics to, to co-headlining this, uh, this giant event at, at the O2 arena, your amazing record that you have throughout your career. What do you want your legacy to be in this sport? I just want my legacy to be that I fought everybody. Like that's why I'm like pushing these fights to happen because I don't ever want to be one of those champions that just holds on to belts or takes easy fights to keep that belt. At the end of the day, those are just, those are just belts. You know what I mean? Like I really want to leave this sport knowing that I challenged myself. I put myself in uncomfortable positions. And if I have to, if I fail doing that, then honestly, I don't care. Like at least I know I tried and at least I, I can't, I don't, I won't have any regrets. And like, I genuinely feel that way. That's why I, I'm up for the challenge for Alicia Baumgartner. And after that, I want to, you know, take on Troy to become undisputed. And after that, I want to go to 135 and I want to take on Katie Taylor. And I would love to take on Serrano, but I know she went down to a lower weight and I'm not going any lower than 130. But, you know, Delphine Pursuit, all these names that uh, in this era, I want to I want to be able to fight them. And I want to be able to put on exciting fights for the fans. Well, we are all very much looking forward. September 10th, the O2 Arena, that's going to be on ESPN Plus. So everybody can check that out. All women from top to bottom on that card. Do not miss it. Right on. Well, thank you so much for hopping on here with me. I really appreciate it. And yeah, truly best of luck September 10th. Thanks so much for having me. A big thank you to Michaela for hanging out with me. Make sure everybody throw on your red. Participate. Red is the color for this fight for Michaela. You can see it all over her Instagram. She's got on her social media. She got her whole crew and all their red all decked out. So show a little love to Michaela by throwing on your red. Post out some tweets. Watch this fight. Watch the whole card because, yeah, it's it's really going to be great. I set it off the top of the show, but, I mean, honestly, we really got to give a round of applause for the women when they've earned these spots to, like, really show up for them, for the hard work that they've put in for the sport and rally around them to just, uh, yeah, to keep making these strides for women in sports. I am all for it. So, uh, guys, it's happening September 10th, this Saturday, on ESPN+. Plus doubleheader historic championship matchup at the O2 Arena in London. Shout out to Michaela. Girl, go get it. Get after it. Show them what's up. Guys, thanks for hanging out. This is another episode of The Sessions. Coming up next, another badass chick sat across from me via Zoom. We really got to get more of these in-person interviews happening. I, I do love them, but hey, we take Zoom and we can get it. We take it and it works. And sometimes we just don't want to leave our houses either. You know, that's all right. I'm not mad at that. (laughs) All right, guys, this has been The Sessions. Catch you guys next time. 